0: Session 8. The Life of Paul Session 8. The Life of Paul Introduction One of the most significant and influential persons in early Christianity was Paul. As indicated in our last session, Paul's missionary endeavors contributed to the church becoming increasing Gentile in composition as the first century proceeded. Who was this Paul? What was the course of his life and ministry? What were the primary forces brought to bear on his life? In what type of environment did he minister? One of the ways Paul contributed to the advancement of the church was through his letters. Paul's letters comprise approximately one-fourth of the New Testament. What is the nature of these letters? How are they to be viewed in the context of letter writing in the Greco-Roman world? To such issues, we now turn. The Life of Paul Paul's Early Life Primary sources for our understanding of Paul are his own letters and the book of Acts. As indicated in Philippians 3.5, Paul was born of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew born of Hebrews. The place of his birth was Tarsus in the region of Cilicia. Paul's Hebrew name was Saul, that means asked for. He was named, therefore, after the first king of Israel. His Roman name Paul means little. At that time it was common for a Jew to have both a Hebrew and Roman name. Little information is known about his family. However, if Paul was born a Roman citizen, as indicated in Acts 16, 37-38 and 22:25 25-29, then his family likely possessed some wealth or social standing. Concerning his education, Luke records that Paul studied under Gamaliel of the liberal school of Judaism, Acts 22, 3, as indicated by Ralph Martin. Paul's environment was threefold. He was surrounded by the region of the Hebrews, the civilization of the Greeks, and the administrative genius of the Romans. This environment shows itself in, for example, the illustrations which he selects from the areas of sports and games. He refers to running, boxing, wrestling, and the arena. It appears that while being brought up in a Greco-Roman environment, Paul was extremely proud of his Jewish heritage. In Philippians 3, 4b-6, Paul writes, If anyone else has reason to be confident in the flesh, I have more. Circumcised on the eighth day, a member of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew born of Hebrews. As to the law, a Pharisee. As to zeal, a persecutor of the church. As to righteousness under the law, blameless, NRSV. Paul's pride was overshadowed, however, by the central matter of importance in his life, namely his relationship with Christ. As part of his devotion and service to God, Paul believed that it was important to persecute those persons, Acts 9.2, known as members of the way, who viewed Jesus as the Messiah. It was while on the way to Damascus to facilitate this persecution, Paul had a life-changing encounter with the risen Christ. Acts 9one 19 22:3 2-3-16. 26, 4-18, Galatians 1, 1 1-17, 1 Corinthians 15, 8-10, and Philippians 3, 5-16. From this experience, Paul, a man committed to his faith and zealous for its support, received an entirely new outlook. He did not change religions, but came to realize that Jesus was the fulfillment of the hope of his people and the peoples of the world. Paul is transformed from a persecutor of the church one of its greatest allies through paul's ministry the message of the gospel would spread throughout the greco-roman world eventually reaching rome that was the heart and center of that world paul's ministry christianity in an urban environment judging from the gospel stories the jesus movement had a rural beginning jesus and his disciples came from a rural agricultural and fishing society in galilee The settings of the parables indicate these social backgrounds. Currently, a rather large Roman city, Sepphoris, is being excavated about four miles from Nazareth. This has caused some scholars to rethink how rural Galilee really was. But the background of Jesus and his disciples is in sharp contrast to where the Apostle Paul grew up and ministered. As indicated, Paul, a Diaspora Jew, grew up in Tarsus, Cilicia. Some major characteristics of this city are as follows. It was a busy commercial city on the southeast corner of Asia Minor. It was a regional Roman capital, which meant Roman officials and their families would live in the city, and Roman officials from Rome would come and go periodically, bringing news and ideas from different parts of the empire. It was on a major road used for trade and moving military personnel. Information from far-off places would move right through town on a regular basis. It had a world-class university which specialized in Greek philosophy and rhetoric. Although we have no indication that Paul went to this university, it would not be surprising for him to have a higher common knowledge of these subjects. In fact, his writings give indication of his knowledge of the use of rhetoric. Greek language and culture predominated in Tarsus, but it also contained a Jewish community that was characteristic of many of the cities Paul evangelized. Paul's field training, or we might call it internship, was done in Antioch, Syria. This city has many similarities to Tarsus. Some points of particular interest concerning Antioch include it was in a similar cultural area to Tarsus. It was also on a major trade route. The church community in Antioch first consisted of Jews, perhaps Jews converted at Pentecost. Then Gentiles were converted and became part of the Christian community. Even before Paul got there, the Bible tells us the disciples were first called Christians there, Acts 11.26. Perhaps this was a name to distinguish them from the Jewish community who did not accept Jesus as Messiah, since Gentiles were also part of the church. After Paul's field training, he and Barnabas were sent out as missionaries by the church in Antioch. An important observation is that the church was growing fast in urban areas, and the gospel was spreading to the surrounding area through the communication networks already in place. This was because of the ability to reach more people quickly with the gospel, and perhaps because those who moved to the cities were more open to learning new things and change in their lives. Chronology of Paul's Life There are differences of scholarly opinion concerning the exact chronology for Paul's life. Based on a survey of passages in Acts, Galatians, Romans, and 1 Corinthians, a possible chronology is as follows. 6 BC Paul's birth AD 28-30 Public ministry of Jesus AD 33 Paul's conversion AD 33-36 Paul in Arabia being taught by revelation of Jesus Christ AD 35-36 or Paul's First Conversion Visit to Jerusalem AD 35-44 through 44, Paul Preaches in Cilicia AD 44-46 through 46, Paul Invited to Antioch, Syria by Barnabas and Famine in Palestine AD 46 Paul's Second Visit to Jerusalem AD 47-48 First Missionary Journey with Barnabas to Cyprus and Galatia AD 49 Jerusalem Council AD 49. Jews expelled from Rome by Claudius because of the Crestus riot. AD 49 52. Second missionary journey with Silas through Asia Minor and Greece. AD 52. Third visit to Jerusalem and a visit to Antioch. AD 52 55. Third missionary journey, Ephesus. AD 55 57. Third missionary journey, Macedonium. Macedonia. Illyricum and Achaia, A.D. 57 through 59. Fourth visit to Jerusalem. Arrested and imprisoned at Caesarea under Felix, A.D. 59 through 60. Appears before Festus and King Agrippa and appeals to Caesar. Voyage to Rome, A.D. 60 through 62. Under house arrest at Rome, A.D. 62 through 64, 65. Released. Journeys to Spain. AD 64. Fire in Rome during rule of Emperor Nero. AD 64. 67. Paul returns to Rome and is martyred under Emperor Nero. Historical and literary issues for Paul's life and ministry. Debate in dating Paul's life. Debate in the dating of Paul's life revolves around a perceived difference between events recorded in Acts and similar events recorded in Paul's letters. Acts records five trips of Paul to Jerusalem, Acts 9:26, right after his conversion. Acts 11:29 through 30 to bring money for famine relief. Acts 15:2 through 4 to attend the Jerusalem Council. Acts 18:22 after his second missionary journey. Acts 21:17 final visit when he is arrested. Paul's letters record only three trips to Jerusalem. Galatians 1:18 right after his conversion, Galatians 2.1, to attend a council, Romans 15.25 and 1 Corinthians 16.3, final visit when he was arrested. The debate comes in the middle of Paul's life. Which Acts visit is mentioned in Galatians 2.1-10? There are two positions. Both positions are well accepted by scholars. One side assumes Paul is referring to the Acts 15 council in Jerusalem in Galatians 2, 1-10. And Paul's understanding of the outcome of the Jerusalem council is very different from what Luke reports in Acts 15. The other side thinks Galatians 2, 1-10 refers to the famine relief visit in Acts eleven twenty nine 29-30, when an informal Jerusalem council took place. This would place Peter and Paul's confrontation in Antioch before the formal Council of Jerusalem in A.D. 49, it would not necessarily reflect a difference in understanding of the Jerusalem Council decision. Background Issues to Understanding Paul in His Context There are four different but related views of the relationship of Judaism, Christianity, and Gentiles stated or reflected in the New Testament. These views all existed at the same time, bringing conflict and misunderstanding to the early church. Some of these views were more prevalent at different times than others. Raymond Brown's Four Types of Jewish Gentile Christians Gentiles must become Jews after becoming Christians. This was the position of Judaizers, who seemed to follow Paul wherever he went. They felt all Christians should keep all the Jewish laws, including circumcision and diet. Gentile Christians are viewed as Gentiles living within Israel who must compromise so as not to offend Jews. This was the position of James and sometimes Peter. As such, Gentiles were to eat no meat offered to idols, keep from sexual immorality, as defined by Judaism, and avoid eating blood and meat from animals with blood inside of them. Gentile Christians are not under the law. This was the position of Paul. By law, He meant Jewish dietary laws and practices. Paul further believed Jewish Christians were not required to abandon their Jewish heritage in churches inside or outside Israel. Jesus has replaced Judaism. This was the position of John and the author to the Hebrews. This idea was taken from Jesus' words in Mark 2, 21-22. You can't put new wine in old wineskins. In John and Hebrews, Jesus replaces the temple, temple worship, and major Jewish feasts. Jesus is better than anything offered in Judaism. So why stay with the good when you can have the best? The Art of Letter Writing Possible Models for Paul's Letters As indicated earlier, Paul's letters comprise approximately one-fourth of the New Testament. The power of Paul's letters is voiced by his critics as recorded in 2 Corinthians 10.10. It states, for they, his opponents say, his letters are weighty and strong, but his bodily presence is weak and his speech contemptible. As mentioned before, Paul grew up in a town known for its rhetoric. An extension of rhetoric, which usually refers to the spoken word, is the letter. The typical letter of this period generally followed this pattern or form, salutation or opening, from, to, and greeting. Prayer or expression of thanks to a god or the gods, or certain groups or individuals, and greetings. Body. Primary topic or topics under consideration, reason or reasons for writing. Advice or exhortation. Closing commands. Closing farewell. In addition to the form of the letter, several documented types of letters were studied in the universities. Paul seemed to incorporate elements from many of these types in creating his own type of a Christian pastoral letter. We will look at these types more in depth later in the course as we talk about each of Paul's letters. Letter of Friendship Ancient traditions asserted that friendship required the sharing of all things between socially and morally equal people, including affection and companionship. When being together was impossible, Friendly letters were said to provide a suitable substitute for actual companionship. No actual letters of friendship are given in the New Testament, but language from friendship letters is used. Absent in body, but present in spirit. 2 Corinthians five three, Sharing in one another's feelings. Philippians 2.17-18 And letter writing as a conversation. 1 Corinthians 10.15 Letter of Praise and Blame Praising and blaming were fundamental activities through which the social construction of the ancient world was maintained. We refer to these types of societies as honor and shame cultures. Those who give praise and blame are trying to locate each person and thing in their proper place by bestowing honor and causing shame. No pure letters of this type are in the New Testament, but Paul makes significant use of praise in his thanksgiving. Praise and blame in 1 Corinthians 11, 2, 7, 22, and 1 Corinthians 13 is comparable to passages in Greco-Roman literature that praise virtues. Letter of Exhortation and Advice There are seven subtypes isolated in this area in ancient literature. Exhortation can be defined as strong encouragement, which included not only telling the person what he or she is doing right, but also what he or she needs to change in his or her life. These styles are used quite extensively by Paul. They range from letters that provide a model of behavior to giving a specific course of action, from gentle blame and rebuke and reproach, as well as consolation. Perinetic letters, exhortation and dissuasion or encouragement, and confrontation of issues of right and wrong. In a sample letter, Labanius illustrates the essential characteristic of providing a positive model of behavior that the reader is either explicitly or implicitly urged to imitate. The author's own behavior may be given as an example. Perinesis concerns those basic and unquestioned patterns of behavior sanctioned by honor and shame. It is not supposed to teach anything new, but to encourage people to follow what they have been taught. Exhortation plays a major role in all the letters of Paul and the Pauline school, except Philemon. 1 Thessalonians is an excellent example of a Perineic letter letters of advice advice differs from paranaic letters when a specific course of action is called for paranesis only seeks to influence adherence to a value or to cultivate a character trait paul very skillfully mixes paranesis and advice in first corinthians especially in seven through eight and ten through fourteen protreptic letters no theorist ever defined the protreptic letter in antiquity it was neither a recognized type nor a widely used kind of letter. Nevertheless, it is important for those who have an interest in early Christian letter writing. Protreptic writings are those exhortations to take up the philosophical life. Protreptic works urge the reader to convert to a way of life, join a school, or accept a set of teachings as normative for the reader's life. In both form and function, Paul's letter to the Romans is a protreptic letter, letters of admonition, The gentlest type of blame was admonition. It is the instilling of a sense in the person being admonished and teaching what should and should not be done. It is the instilling of sense in the person being admonished and teaching what should and should not be done. The writer constructively criticized certain aspects of the reader's behavior. Admonition is used very consciously and explicitly in the letters of Paul. 2 Thessalonians 3, 6-12 admonishes certain people in the community, and 315 urges members to admonish one another. Letters of Rebuke Rebuke was considered harsher than admonition. Rebuke was directed at fundamental flaws of character or a basic pattern of immoral behavior. The rebuker tried to shame the sinner into stopping the misbehavior and often explicitly called for a change to an honorable way of life. Paul uses rebuke in his letter to the Galatians, 1, 6-10, 3, 1-5, 4, 8 through 10 His expression, I am amazed, and his denunciation of them as fools, are characteristic of rebuke. Letters of Reproach Reproach was a harsh blame that only the sternest sort of philosopher considered morally beneficial. Letters of reproach seem absent from the corpus of early Christian letters. Paul contrasts the gentleness of his own teaching to harsher methods, 1 Thessalonians 2, 6-7, and the pastoral epistles argue against harsh and quarrelsome teachers, 2 Timothy 2, 23-26. Letters of Consolation Consolation was very important in the Greco-Roman world. It had an important place in both the philosophical and rhetorical traditions. Consolation proper, contains traditional materials such as quotations from the poets, examples, precepts, and arguments against excessive grieving. Giving consolation was considered one of the philosopher's chief functions. Like many complex perinetic letters, 1 Thessalonians contains a consolatory section. 4.13-18 Paul's call for the Thessalonians to stop grieving is a formulaic expression in consolatory literature. Like Paul. Writers of Consolations ease the sting of death by calling it sleep. Letters of Mediation The basic purpose of these letters is for one person to make a request to another person on behalf of a third party. Letters of Introduction, which were very important to those who traveled and needed hospitality, are included in this category. Letters of Introduction are mentioned several times in the New Testament. Acts 9.2 18.27 1 Corinthians 16 3. 2 Corinthians 3 1 through 2. Philemon is an intercessory letter on behalf of a runaway slave. Accusing, Apologetic, and Accounting Letters These are technical and non technical letters of petition, prosecution, and defense. There are technically no letters of this type in the New Testament, but Revelation 1 through 3 does seem to be a recounting of Christ's evaluation or Judgment of Seven Churches in Asia Minor. This style would fit best under this category. Application 1. Using Study Bibles, Bible Dictionaries, or Internet Websites Biblical Studies Foundation www.netbible.com Blue Letter Bible www.blueletterbible.org or Crosswalk.com Bible Study Tools bible.crosswalk.com. Look up and read articles on the life of Paul. How do these articles contribute to your understanding of Paul? 2. Read the following passages and construct a chronology of Paul's life. Acts 9, 1-31 11, 19-30 13, one 28 Galatians one through 11-2-21 Romans fifteen twenty two through 29 1 Corinthians 16, 1-9 How does your chronology correspond to that provided above in this session? 3. Read Paul's letters to the Philippians and Philemon and analyze according to the pattern of salutation sender, receiver, greeting prayer or expression of thanks to God or a member or members of the community body, primary topic or topics under consideration reason or reasons for writing advice or exhortation, closing commands, and closing farewell. 4. Classify Philippians and Philemon in terms of the headings, letters of friendship, letters of praise and blame, letters of exhortation and advice, letters of mediation and accusing, apologetic and accounting letters. What types of letters are Philippians and Philemon? Why?